listening to Confessions of a CEO. This is the show where I'll be taking you behind the laptops and lives of some of the best and brightest female minds in the online business game. The frank, funny, and inspiring chats that we have behind closed doors are about to be revealed. This is the secret sauce that you need to hear that's going to help you and blow your mind at the same time. No fluff, just all of the honest good stuff. I'm your host, Mel Moore. I'm a CEO, embodiment, and business coach for female online entrepreneurs. And I'm also the founder of a boutique, virtual assistant agency. I'm so excited you're here. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, darlings. Welcome to uh, what I can only describe is going to be a very, 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 very fun episode with my guest, Laura Ann Moore. And this is a spicy, hilarious, really, really, really good conversation with someone I came across online and have binged her podcast as well. So Laura Ann Moore is a money mindset expert, certified financial coach and financial well-being speaker and educator. So she teaches people about finances in a really fun, jargon-free, judgment-free way, which is so refreshing. Please follow her Instagram. She's the most refreshing person I know talking about money and her life and her dating. And she was nominated by the British Bank Awards for Online Financial Influencer of the Year in 2022. And 2023 has featured on popular radio and TV stations, including BBC News. Give the girl a round of applause. She is absolutely smashing it. After successfully saving £40,000 by the age of 27, she opened up online and is now on a mission to help people feel good about money, get financially confident and build wealth. She has a community of over 25,000 followers across TikToks, TikTok socials everywhere and she hosts her own podcast talking all about things money mindset and freedom and I think it's called money mind money mindset soul um so I'm very excited to dive in to this conversation today with my lovely guest and so without further ado let's get her on oh I'm so excited you're here I'm really nerdy about money and finance this is a chat that I've been really excited so we're going to geek out on a bit of money the mindset around it I see a lot of this in my coaching how we hold wealth behave with our money and our mental issues with money and how we can kind of as women learn to hold and grow our wealth is such a passion of mine so thank you for joining me today I'm very happy to be here I'm excited my favorite topic (laughs) (laughs) yes you've literally made a career out of it (laughs) good thing it's my favorite hey (laughs) yeah so do you want to tell us a little bit about your your story and kind of your background and what led you to end up leaving your job and creating this business yeah, I always find it really funny when like I'm a podcast guest and like people say it, you know, when you hear something said back to you and you're like, oh, yeah, I did do that. Um, so I'll give you the, you know, the, the the version of me when I was, you know, 11 years old and I was like, right, I know what I want to do. I want to be an actress. Like I just I just knew and it was my my entire dream from like literally the age of like 10 or 11 all the way through to my early adult years. And um I did my A-levels. All my friends were planning to go to university. I was like, no, I want to go to drama school. And I don't know if people kind of know like much about it, but it is a little bit different where it was back about 10, 11 years ago, where when you want to go, like I had to basically find the money to go. And it was about £15,000 per year for three years. My family could not afford that. Like it was not, it wasn't even an option. So I was like, right, I better figure out how to find and make this money. Like it was, it was a no brainer. I was just like, right, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to save. I'm going to figure it out. So I got my first full time job when I was 19 in a sales and marketing sort of role and um, started working, you know, getting that golden monthly paycheck. <laughs> and um, with it, but by the age of, by age 22, I'd saved 15,000 pounds. And 
thank you. I was like, right. I mean, I, I, I look back now and I'm like, that would have been one year's worth of tuition. How would I have lived in London, paid rent? I, I didn't think, but that wasn't the point. Um, and right before I was due to go to drama school, two of my closest friends were like, do you want to come traveling with us? And I was like, right got to make the decision quite quickly and I decided to go traveling instead to find my place at drama school it was probably the best decision I've ever made in my life ever um it was yeah it was just it was life-changing you know went to Australia Bali Thailand Cambodia all the amazing places you know you you really do get a different view of yourself and of the world when you go traveling I think oh yeah and changes you it does change you so much and you know I was there spent all of the money um, well, I came back with just enough money to buy myself a car so I could get around. <laughs> so the 15 um, grand for yeah. the, uh, the uni didn't didn't materialise into uni. It did not. But whilst I was there, I was like, I don't think I want to be an actress. You know, like complete war life crisis. Like, oh, what am yeah. I going to do? All of my friends have found careers that they love. And now I'm like 23 and I don't have a career and I don't have any money. And I've got my old job back, which was amazing. Like, love my boss. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Really good. And I did, you know, I went back into my old company, got a pay rise, got a promotion. I was traveling around the country in a, like a, um, in a company car, like meeting brands, like all this stuff. But I had this, I guess my light bulb moment was in that moment when I was choosing between drama school and traveling. It wasn't which one could I afford? It was which one did I want to do? The money, the money didn't come into it. And it was the, the nicest feeling. I was like, wow, like, after, especially after experiencing sort of negative and like stressful side of money and how that can impact a family, I then got to really experience the positive side. And I was like, this is so cool. So it kind of like led me down this path, I guess, of like, as I had my old job back, but I was like really trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I, I always, I, you know, I wanted to do maybe a vlog or a blog and I just thought, let's just, let's just do it. Let's just see what happens. And I had all these categories. I had like yoga, travel, beauty, fashion, money, like everything. But I just found myself naturally talking about money. Every time I wrote a blog, or every time I wrote an Instagram post, it was about money. Um, and obviously, you, you know, now there's loads of financial influencers, but back a couple of years ago, it wasn't really a thing. So everyone was like, oh my God, tell me, how did you save 15 grand? How did you do this? How did you do this? And I sh- started sharing my story online and it kind of just took off from there, really. Like my boss was really, really, really supportive of me running this as a as a side hustle as a side business he wow. knew it would yeah he was amazing he knew it you know he, he he hired me when I was like 19 and he'd sort of watched me grow and we worked really well together yeah and his ideal I would have taken over the company as managing director whereas I was like no I'm going to be leaving to run my business full-time at some point independence um, was already on the agenda right yeah exactly and then after about uh two and a half years of doing it sort of behind the scenes it was yeah time for me to quit my job and go full-time and here I am. Tell me about that leap, right? Because there's so many women I know who are thinking of doing it, the side hustle to full time. What was the point that you reached that made it comfortable for you to do? I mean, on in the boundaries of it's always going to feel stretchy and a little yeah. bit scary to do. But what was the things that you put in place or the decision or the feeling that you knew it was time? So, so basically, once I'd come back, me and a few of my friends, me and two of my best mates, one that I was in Australia with, another one I went to school with, moved to London. And I still had my old job. My boss, I, I actually quit at the time. And I said, right, I'm going to London. Thank you for giving me my job back for a bit. It's time for me to move on. And he was like, no, 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 no. Why don't you carry on working from us? But I'll let you work from home. So this was like two years before the pandemic. I was working before it got cool. And, you know, I was working from home, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was like, and at this point, I was just setting up. I was just about blogging. I'm very inconsistent. I honestly did not see it as a job. It wasn't the second I started doing it. Like, I didn't even know how people make money from blogs. I didn't really understand that world. 
And then um, I got my first ever brand deal. I mean, I think it was £70. But I was like, someone wants to pay me to make a video. I was like, this is so cool. And like, you know, all these little moments happened. And I, a good friend of mine now reached out to me on Instagram and we did a workshop. And she was like, you do know that you could, we did this, yeah, this money mindset workshop. She went, you do know you could turn this into a business. And I was like, what? No, seriously. And she had just started to become a coach and I was just starting doing this. So I was her first ever client for free. I was a guinea pig. Amazing. Yeah. And my thing was like, I want to be able to quit my job. And she was like, okay. And it was this this big thing. And really what I guess the parameters that I was really um, careful of is I had to have money saved to be able to pay to live in London. Because like I said, my family doesn't, I couldn't rely on my family, really. Didn't have a partner. There wasn't, you know, a rich uncle that I could lean on. Um, so I was like, right, I need to save a bunch of money. Now, my original plan before I realized that I could run this as a business was I was going to go traveling again. My plan was around South America. So I, I think I had massive travel, you know, I had the travel bug. And it also felt like a good way to get out of the corporate world. It was like this. I was so tied into the, the, the company. And I was like, right, saved all this money. So I think I saved about £12,000. And then obviously pandemic hit um well the twelve thousand pound is what was allocated to like that i guess that chunk of my life because when i moved to london i saved another 25 grand and and some of that was emergency fund and some of that was to go traveling with holy shit wait so you you saved in your life let's just go through this because you are how old now 29 bonkers i love it <laughs> so 15 grand by the time you were how old uh 22 and the next amount was what by when um so i saved another 25 grand from about the ages of like 24 to 27 that's incredible so about 40 grand in total yeah and it was like i do you know weirdly like because i'd done it once with the 15 grand i was like yeah i can save i'm gonna do that again like it was it was this i guess delusion to start and then like habit um but for me it was a real sense of like i need security i need if i really want to be able to quit my job but the issue is is i didn't you know, it was a bit jumbled of like, well, I'm going to go traveling and I need to have enough money to come home to. And, da, da, da. and then as the pandemic hit, and I got furloughed and I started, you know, t- realizing I could turn this into more of a business and quitting my job to go full time was like a real thing. Yeah, I it took me a long time. It, 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 it wasn't like a couple of months. Fuck it. Let's go. It was a really I was I thought about it all the time. I was constantly flitting. One minute I was having a great time at work and it was fine. The next minute I was like, I need to leave now. Like it was all, you know, all over. And my boss was very supportive. Um, so I'd, yeah, obviously saved up this money and I did my financial coaching qualification whilst I was still working. And at this point I had gone down to part time. So I'd gone from like full time working at home. Now I'm working part time and I could pick my day. So it was like two to three days a week. It was literally like, you know, you do what days you want, when you want. Amazing. Um, Boston is incredible. Yeah. I mean, I worked freaking hard to get to that point where I had that. Obviously, I worked for the company for about 10 years, but he was, so, yeah, very supportive. And um, I was just like, right, okay, well, what's the point where I'm going to, you know, get myself to quit? But when I did my financial coaching qualification, I realized that I had a lot of beliefs taken on from my dad. My dad is a self-employed farmer. We as a family didn't have much money. You marry the two together and you think, well, money's really hard to make, even if you work all the time. So I was like, I can't make a living as a self-employed person. If my dad can't, it was that kind of, you know, especially as plumbers, like plumbers are meant to be rich. What's going on? (laughs) So yeah, it was, um, that was my belief or block that I realized I had to work through. It wasn't really until I guess I worked through that. And then I remember it was last year in, I went on a retreat at, at June time, July time. It was a sort of like wealth retreat for business owners. It was amazing. And then I came home and was like, it's fucking time. And I just handed you my notice. 
Ah. I was like, it's taken me nearly two and a half years. I, I still haven't need to go. I've got the money in my savings because I haven't gone traveling, obviously, because of COVID. So yeah. I know I can support myself. I've been saying it for years. I've got enough jobs coming in and I'm now starting to get more work, like more time needs to go to it. So I really set myself up with that runway. Um, but it was scary, really scary. But obviously I'd quit my job technically like five times. And every time my boss was like, why don't you go part time? Why don't you go contract? Why don't you do this? And then I got to the point where I was like, it's over now, it's time. Um, actually walking away. I'm actually walking away. I still did a bit of work because I'm actually under a contract for a couple of months, but that was um, a side project that I couldn't kind of bow out of. And I didn't want to leave them in the shit. Do you know what I mean? Because he was my mate. But yeah, so that that is kind of, the, I guess, the journey to then quitting. And it was this. And I, I think as well, like I'd gone from being 25, 26 and being like, oh, how can I be this old? Inverted commas. This uh, old, not knowing what I want to do, not having any direction. I literally was like, that was my life dream to be an actress. So if I'm not stepping away from that dream right now, what am I going to do? So then literally a few years later being like, I think I might have just made up my dream career. <laughs> so then I was like, felt so lucky that before the age of 30 I've actually found what I want to do and it's already taken off so it was so, like it really does prove anything can change at any minute at any minute and it was, it was definitely one of those kind of moments it's funny isn't it because do you think there's a because there's sometimes we tie our identity to our businesses and I think it's more of a it's our purpose that drives us we're this human and this is an yeah. expansion of who we are versus yeah. it's our entire identity because in our working lives we tend to form the identity of I am this person who does that my, my career is me yeah but it sounds like you actually found your purpose yeah because I think there's a difference between career and purpose they're sort of yeah. they're, they're, they're in alignment they're on the same like parallel line but when we're in alignment with the purpose as in the thing that lights us up like a freaking Christmas tree then it just begins to feel like it's all worth it and it's an easy path right because then you get up and you love what you do and I think that sounds like that's what you discovered right yeah and I think like I or like part of acting when you know when I was in drama school was I love making people laugh it's, <laughs> I love it I love making people laugh I love bringing joy to people I love you know, and in art, it art does help people, right? That is, yeah. you know, a part of it. The the acting world is very fucking hard, very competitive, very can be very elitist. When I then, yeah, I get, yeah, I guess found found my purpose in this, realizing, oh my god, I can help people with their money. So it's something, and because I'm both, I'm very, I'm very left and right brain. Like I love a spreadsheet, I love numbers, I love maths, I love all of those things. So it makes me, I guess, enjoy money more and be able to break down financial and economical like theories and processes into a really easy to understand, relatable way. And I'm able to bring acting into that because I am performing when I'm doing my, my reels and my TikToks and I'm getting on stage. So it's like this amalgamation. It is that classic thing of all the things that have happened in the past have like brought you to this moment. And now, like I always remember being like when, when I was in Australia and me and my best friend, we sat down in the park in near Bondi Beach. We were sat there and I was like, what am I going to do then? She was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I just want to help people. And when we were on this retreat, I had a numerology session and my, my sort of like life path number is a number nine, which is all to do with being put on this earth to help people. And I was like, that is me. I need to lean into that. So that's something that kind of pushed me to, yeah, definitely it, it feel like a purpose and get me up every day for sure. Well, you literally light up like a Christmas tree when you talk about it. You can <laughs> see how much you would do all the work. And I love that because we're, you know, the way that we're brought up and you talk about your family upbringing with money, it kind of really does without us realizing until we actually look at it. And being an entrepreneur will bring up your shit so much faster than any yeah. other thing. <laughs> being, 
being an employee is a way different way of life. I think kind of being an entrepreneur raises all the stuff that you need to get through. And a lot of that is money blocks, right? You're now the sole supplier of your income. It is down to you, good days, bad days. And there is a responsibility that can be quite daunting. There is also how you feel about money, how you've grown up around it, your worthiness of it. It yeah. really, really can get in the way, but it can also be the most powerful thing to unblock and to unpick and to create new habits around. What would you kind of say is the most common thing that the women specifically come up against when they start to work with you? I think, so I work with a mix of both people that are nine to fivers and people that are business owners. Mm. And I think that some of the common things is like a... And, and I think this leans into the part of society where women are made to feel like their money is to be splurged on, mm-hmm. you know, beauty and fashion and all the things that women like. And I think that the overspending massively comes into it. Now, I think a lot of people have an issue with overspending. Um, and I think that kind of relates back to like the lack of mindfulness around consumerism. Like we're, we're constantly marketed to every day. I go on Instagram, I get an ad for something every single day. And, you know, there are so many things that I literally have nearly like never seen an ad for. And I see it and I'm like, oh, I need that. I should get that now. You know, like you drop 50 quid that you weren't even going to spend. And I think that, that, that it's a balance. Like part of it is an individual issue with the way that your relationship relationship with money is and how you budget and how you yeah plan your spending and how you the way that you view money but also it's tied into a societal issue with how much we are told that we have problems that we need to fix so it's kind of like the twofold and then I think a really common one as well with women is this idea of the responsibility of how they're going to build wealth you know a lot of the time it's left up to the men it's a lot you know especially in heterosexual couples it's left to the, the male partner to do the finances to manage the money growing wealth building wealth isn't for me I'm just going to save and have or spend and have a nice time and it's like actually we've got to think bigger we've got to think about the future but not in a scary that's really far away way but in like oh no that's going to be my life and what can I do about it and I think for women especially we've been left out of the conversation about money for so long that um there's a lot of beliefs around like well as long as I've got enough to pay my bills I'll be all right I'm like, but don't you want more? You can have more. And that's totally okay. Especially in as well, like I think in the spiritual world, like cre- with with creative, either creatives or like very spiritual people. Like I see myself as very spiritual, but I deal with a lot of people who there is this notion that money is this entity that's like evil. And yeah. if you are living your truest creative spiritual self, you shouldn't want money. You shouldn't need money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like the, like the starving creative. And I'm like, no, when you have, the more money you have, have the more you can do the more you can give like I think that that's the power of it and yeah I think that I guess some of the things that I really notice that come up in people and all of those things just hold people back in different ways and they show up in so many different ways for people like so many different ways everyone is you know you've got people maybe that come from very very wealthy affluent families and their their parents always bailed them out always gave them what they wanted they never yeah. had an issue with money but the second they have to manage their own money they're like they racked up so much debt because they just assume they're going to get bailed out or maybe they have been so they don't have to take on financial responsibility and they're like I'll be alright because my parents are looking after me and then on the flip side you've got people that come from having no money and maybe have repeated that behaviour like well if my parents ever had money I'm never going to have money We, you know money's evil we don't want that and they carry on living that kind of like uh, starved life or they go the other way and they're very self-made and they're really like making money they're doing all the things but then they feel really guilty about spending it 
and they can't enjoy it. So they work so hard. They work themselves to the bone. They got all this money sat there, not working for them, and they're not getting to enjoy it, which is a problem in itself. Mm. So many of the financial messages are geared towards men being the breadwinners. And there's a massive disparity between how we're taught as women to hold and create wealth and men. And I don't know. Well, let me ask you this, because I know that there is a massive difference between what women do with wealth and what men do with wealth. Do you? I've, I feel like you've got some facts on that. <laughs> Always got some facts. <laughs> Well, I, I the, the, like the way that, I mean, I guess it, it depends on which area, right? But like when it comes to like building wealth, a lot of the messages within online presence geared towards women versus men is like towards men, it's like build wealth, luxury, growing your money. Whereas with women, it's like splurge, save the pennies, save the pounds, you know, that kind of thing. So there's already this messaging around that. Yeah. Then when you, when it leans into like actually looking at how um, money, I guess, is spent, it's, there's a bit of a hard argument around like the fact that you know women do spend more on like beauty products and like fashion and things like that but as a counter argument to that we're also the ones told in society that we have to look a certain way and we have to look presentable so we're trying to uphold beauty standards of society and then because of the gender pay gap which does exist on, a, on especially in nine to fives but does exist we have less to spend so therefore are less likely to put our money into things that are going to grow because the, the investing and building wealth messages have always been aimed at men so men are you know going out and more likely to invest but the irony is women are better better investors yes we are like and this is no shade to men at all but like women are more they're able to i guess keep their emotion out of it which is ironic because that goes against how people view it uh-huh. <laughs> but but we're able to hold on to it and build wealth for a longer period of time so on average women are better investors and the key thing here is women on average live for longer and yet by the time we get to retirement age there is something mad like I think I want to say don't quote me but I think about 42% is the pension gender gap so on average by the time you get to retirement age men have 42% more in their pensions yeah and it's just mental it's It's absolutely wild yeah and I think this is why I love the work that you do so much because one of the the things that I'm so passionate about is financial literacy for women because we as I say the upbringing the messaging society the way that we're raised we're not taught to be smart and savvy with money in terms of you know as a self-employed person it's like get a pension make sure that you're doing that make sure that you're saving money and investing if you can and everybody please just follow Laura because her investing tips Uh and your podcast alone is epic oh thank you really easy to digest and fun to listen to and so freaking educational thank you and it's just this gap this huge gap but when women create wealth hold wealth and invest it they tend to invest it and spread it out more and diversify and actually put more back into the causes um, in terms of they'll actually look at what they're investing in and they'll look at investing in ethical sustainable um, funds and stocks and all of these things more than a man would they tend to keep it in one specific thing high risk high yield but yeah. one specific thing and then they don't also then put that money back into their community as much as women do yeah so the power of a woman creating wealth and holding it has such an enormous ripple. And I think there's some crazy statistic that women owned or run businesses are more effective at profit and growth than male owned businesses. Wow. Mm-hmm. That doesn't surprise me. And yet we've all got under 2% of our venture capital money yeah, invested. Yeah, literally just about to say the, the venture capital, like it's, when you hear those stats, it's like, what, what did you say? Was it like 2%? Two, two yeah, under 2%. 2%. Percent. Yeah. And for those of those that go to black women as well, is like, it, yeah, you're the gonna, smallest, yeah. smallest portion. Like, 
eighth of that, I think, and it's in uh, VCs don't invest into. I had a client who was a female tech CEO and I've had many, so let's not be too specific here. <laughs> but I would hear the stories of the things that she would say when she was in rooms uh. with VCs um, doing funding rounds and it was horrendous. Yeah, I'm glad oh. that I haven't had to raise capital. Like, yeah, I don't, for me, I don't think I could think of anything worse. No, I hate it. You're up against the old boy system and yeah. and this, you know, gender disparity yeah. and misogyny and all of the yeah. things. And yet, proof is in the pudding that women-run businesses turn a profit better and faster than male-owned businesses. Yeah. So, what's saying? <laughs> yeah, and I think the thing is right is like that. There's kind of two parts to this. You've kind of got the side of it in regards to like business owners. So people, I I, I personally don't think everyone is should be an entrepreneur. I don't think everyone should run no. businesses. It's Agree. not for everyone. And I think that is okay. Like some people are good to be in a nine to five, like nine to fives, I think get demonized, but I think they're great for some people. Like that's fine. But what you then, but both sets groups of people can build wealth. It might look different, but can build wealth. If you're in a nine to five, you've got a stable income, you're able to go, I know exactly how much I can put away. You can draw down on a workplace pension, which is an incredible product. Yeah. You get basically free money. And if you have a pension, self-employed or nine to five, you're already an investor. And then being self-employed or running your own business, you've got, I guess you uncap your own potential income ceiling and you're able to have more control over the way in which you invest your money, whether that's stocks and shares, business property, property, whatever that looks like. But the key thing is like thinking about that bigger picture. But half the time women are so caught up in having to like argue their point or win their fucking seat at the table that then they don't have enough brain space for this stuff. And it's like so infuriating. And like, yeah, I think and, and when I learned about investing, that was one of those moments in my life where it's like forever etched into my brain. Like it literally changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah, because for me, I was like, I've, I'm always a saver, right? Always been a saver. I save 40 grand. Great. It was fucking hard work. Like it, it took a lot. It, it wasn't just this walk in the park. And, you know, I talk about it on TikTok a lot and I get, oh, it must be daddy's money or I'll oh, bet, bet she sold her virginity. You know, the amount of stuff that you, I know. I was like, mate, my, my virginity would be worth a lot more than 40 grand. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but like, do you, do you know what I mean? So, so uh, that there's all, yeah, these views around it, but saving, I was like, yeah, that's how, what I'm going to do. I'm going to save and then I'm, and then I'm going to get a house and then, and then I'm going to sell that house and I'll use that. Now, obviously that is a great way to build wealth because investing in property is still investing, but it's very inaccessible for a lot of people. For our parents, it was a great option for our generation. Not so much. Yeah, what was um, the difference? You mentioned it in a podcast. You said that when our parents were buying houses, yeah. it was only three times their annual income. Yeah. And now it's the equivalent is nine times our annual income. Yeah. This is why we're so priced out of yeah. the property market. Correct. And obviously back then when mortgages, you know, the way that they were viewed and created is it was like about three to four times of your salary. And that is because wages match that to house prices. House prices were three to four times the size. Like it made sense. So it felt affordable it's nothing to do with cost it was more about to do with ratio so now okay our our average salaries have increased a little bit but house prices are freaking astronomical so of course we're still only getting mortgages for like three to four times the size of our salary and yet house prices are double that so it's moving people out of like cities and um or where they live it's moving them it's 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 other people who have i guess more affordable in other places are coming into cheaper places and pushing people out of there like it's it's a real issue you've got people buying second properties and especially like the short-term rental market that is like booming so people are buying up properties that can have the capital like 
There's so many things to think about. But like all of that being said is we now have a way to build wealth that is accessible. Like you can literally start building wealth of like five pounds. Now, obviously, that's okay. as much as I'd love to tell you. Yeah, as <laughs> I'm telling you now, five pounds won't be the thing that builds you wealth. It's how you start. Yeah, um, so I was going to say that's my next question is oh. between the fact that I know a lot of the clients that I work with um, don't always know their numbers when they come into business because this is another kind of financial literacy thing is sometimes we're just too afraid to look at our numbers and there's the work to do around that. Yeah. But in terms of one, knowing your numbers and two, investing, what can we do today? What can we take away from this podcast, this episode that we can kind of do to better our relationship with money and start to think about investing? Saving? So I think, yeah, I think the numbers one is really interesting. Like you say, people are really scared of numbers. People are scared. Like for me, the reason why I love numbers is because there's no right or wrong. Uh, there's there's only right or wrong. There's no yes. like ambiguity. It either mm. adds up or it doesn't. Uh-huh. So the good thing about that is you still don't have to be good with maths because there are so many tools out there and people that can support you. Like something that I do with clients is we, I, I geek out doing it so much, but I basically sit down with them. It's a bit of fi- like business financial planning. I will look at all their numbers and we'll figure out what you're making, what are you spending your money on? Where's your money going? What the thing? And it's all mapped down and gorgeous spreadsheets. Um, and it makes it uh, it changes their life like they've literally been like this is something I was too scared to do myself wouldn't have known how to do myself and it has literally made me feel like a million times better because I can just see where everything is going and it goes the same with your personal finance oh yeah do you know what I mean like you have to know where your money is going like that looks different for everyone as well right when I was 19 and I saved that first 15 grand I was anal every pound every penny I was on a spreadsheet. Like I just went to Boots and I spent three pound forty nine on the meal deal. Like it was, it was to, <laughs> the, it was to the penny. Now I'm a lot more flexible with my spend, with my spending planning. I've, you know, I, I'm, a, I don't track every pound, every penny. I track it in a, in a, in an app that does it for me. So if I need to look back, I can. But I just have pots of money that I use for different things. But I know where my money is going. Yeah, and that is the key thing. It's okay. So I so I think if you're listening to this and you're like, you know, it's bringing up feelings of anxiety, worry, stress, you're like, I just want to avoid this altogether. Um, I always talk about having money dates. So imagining that your money is literally like a partner, right? If you were to ignore and neglect and avoid your partner, they are not going to stick around. After a while, they're going to be like, fuck this like I'm getting no attention you know like what's the point of me being here I'm just gonna go and do what I want and it'd be very toxic right you wouldn't know when they're coming home like you're freaking out so treat your money like a partner treat it with respect give it the time it needs sit down with it and have a date put your pjs on get a cup of tea put your favorite candle on like engage all of your senses calm your nervous system i think it's really important to associate don't do it in a half an hour in between work when you're rushing because you then associate that panic with what you're doing so just do it when you've got some some time even just an hour and then go through and i guess like you kind of look at the emotional and the practical so on an emotional level asking yourself questions like how do i feel feel about money right now what's happened for me that's felt really good what's happened for me that's maybe stressed me out what's what's one step that I can take right now to make myself feel better and if you want to obviously do some some sort of more money belief and money story work it's like asking yourself questions about the past and what happened in your childhood and what some phrases I remember hearing and obviously you don't want to do, you're not overwhelmed yourself you don't need to all do it in one sitting but it's really yeah. good at some point to really become aware of what your money story is what what are phrases you heard growing up what what are your earliest memories of money what do you feel you've learned from your parents or guardians about money and that that's so empowering because you can start to maybe go oh maybe that's why I do that or maybe that's why I do that and I like 
I'm quite an inquisitive person. I think it's important that we know why, that we know our story, that we own it. But just because that is your story, it does not mean that has to be your future. Great. That's just mic drop. Yeah. 100% couldn't agree more. Say, say it one more time. Just because it's your past does not mean it needs to be your future. Because there is an element of owning what's happened, right? And people, I think, accidentally, subconsciously make excuses for their behavior with what they've learned in the past. Yeah. And well, I wasn't taught about money or this is what I've always seen. Or Okay, that's okay. It's okay if that's the case. But what would you like to do about it? What hell is it causing for you right now? If you're happy where you are right now and everything is sweet, okay, all good. But if you are having issues with the way that you feel about money and the way that you manage money, don't just use what's happened as an excuse. Go, what am I going to do about it as of today moving forwards? I don't need to forget about it. Do you know what I mean? I just, what, what am I doing about it moving forwards? Even to ask yourself why you're avoiding, if you're one of those people listening who has avoided getting a spreadsheet out and looking at your numbers, why are you avoiding it? What comes up for you when you think about looking it all in the face? Yeah. And I think that I personally, I love journaling. I think it's such a powerful tool. I love it. Sit down with pen and paper, see what comes out. You don't have to show anyone. You can burn it after if you want. Like it's just for you. But more comes out when you write it down. It gets deeper into your subconscious. And I think that money is rooted so deeply into our subconscious because our money beliefs are usually formed by about the age of seven, which is so young. I know, because basically, right, when we come out of the womb, even actually when we're in the womb, so when we're like being created, I don't know if you know what the phrase is, when we're cooking in the oven, (laughs) um, we've still got, we're we're learning, right? So between the ages of minus nine months to seven, our brainwaves are at a slower state. They're at a different state. So we haven't yet formed an analytical mind. So everything we hear, see, learn we take on to be true we're not going oh let's take a moment to assess is that really true is it not so if your parents go money doesn't grow on trees you know you're like right all right great okay that's good that's good to know let's store that because i'm going to need that for later and everything gets lodged into your subconscious and then between the ages of i think it's like 8 to 18 about or maybe 8 to 16 your brainwaves are slightly different and you're starting to form your analytical mind you're starting to be a bit more conscious of things that are happening and but things that are in your subconscious are starting to play out you're testing these beliefs and things are constantly getting reinforced because you're still in the same household you're still in the same school system right so those the beliefs that you have are basically getting reinforced with experiences that you have and when we have certain experiences it's not necessarily the memory that we always remember it's the feel it it's how it made us feel it's the feeling that gets trapped in our body so then by the time you're an adult and you start earning your own money you already have a view of how money works in the world a view of yourself and your own worthiness and what you deserve a view of you know all these other things and then your brain very very clever is not here to keep you happy it's here to keep you safe so it will go out and it will look for things to reinforce what you're saying you believe to be true always say to people the map is not the terrain so the way the world is is the terrain and it is what it is but everybody else has an individual map so we're all looking at that map like being like well you know what do we view it's all different for everybody but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the truth and that's why when you get to an adult you have to start questioning your beliefs okay you know money's hard to make do i actually believe that's true because i see big rich celebrities you know you hear their story and you listen to podcasts about people who've gone from look at oprah she's gone from rags to riches like well she made money you know like you could you can start to question yourself and your belief and go do i want to believe these things are true or are they just borrowed beliefs from my childhood from my family are they societal beliefs are they religious beliefs are they you know all of these different things mind-blowing mind-blowing it's fascinating yeah And, and and learning how to apply it to your life now is so important and 
the thing that I always say to people is, yes, your money's habit, your money beliefs are formed by that age, but your brain is made is, is it has neuroplasticity. It can change. I was about to say that word. I was about to say that was my favorite yeah. word. <laughs> favorite. I always say to people, "Go, your brain is plastic. We're not. It has neuroplasticity. <laughs> it can change. Yeah, That's the power of it. For new neuro pathways to yeah. reinforce better healthy habits. Yeah, and, and it's so pat. And yeah, and money is not left out of that that you know equation it's not like oh only for gym only for fitness only for nutrition no it applies to money too it's amazing that is epic and fascinating and mind-blowing and i love that side of the work that you do right because you can give someone all the strategies and spreadsheets in the world but if they continue to repeat their old habits because they haven't got behind thoughts and beliefs and their mindset about money things don't change yeah and that's a huge part. And, and it's the same, I think, in all facets of coaching, especially with my work as well. It's the same if, if you know, give someone the best strategy in the world and they won't execute it if they're yeah. holding an old belief that says they're not worthy of achieving that goal or worthy yeah. of receiving that money. So everybody, please get journaling. Yeah. <laughs> get journaling, everybody. Get asking yourself questions and go with yeah. the growth mindset and know that you can change. Absolutely. And if you haven't heard of it, definitely check out the Fear Inventory. It is one of the best tools that I use for myself and my clients. It is. I remember the woman who created it. I can't remember her name, but Google it, Fear Inventory, and it will start to make you list out. Just like you'll start writing, I think the minimum is like 20 points on whatever the fear that you have is. And as you keep writing, all of the subconscious tends to come out. Interesting. And I've got an, another exercise in part of that, which is the future casting. So it's like, who do you want to be? And how does it feel to have received the things that you want? So you're visualizing then. You're not just going, oh, those are all the shit things yeah. that I think about. It's like, what's the other side of that? How would you feel to be receiving it? What would your life look like? What decisions would you make? And who do you need to be to step into that as well? Love I that love, so much. Love stuff like that. Yeah, me too. I've, I've got a, um, which I can we, I could send you the, the link for, but I've got a free future you visualization track to do yes, with please. money. So you can step into that version. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, the last thing I want to talk to you about, because I could talk to you all day. Um, <laughs> the last thing I want to talk to you about is dating yeah. as an entrepreneur and business owner. Because I said ages ago, like, I was just talking to Laura before we started recording. And I was like, I've been eternally single. I've been a business owner. I've been an employee. There's kind of a different vibe when you're dating as a business owner, especially when business starts to go well. There's so much tied into that. And I just want to know from your perspective, because you did a brilliant episode on the cost of being single. It's like a Valentine's <laughs> Day episode around like, actually, it's more expensive to be single. We're like, yeah. 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 yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. What is your kind of experience with dating? Because you're so open and vulnerable and you share your dating stories on Instagram and TikTok and in your podcast. And I just love that about you. Has there been any differences between you being an employed path and coming into being a business owner and dating, like the time you spend on it, people's perception of you, things like that? Yeah, like, you know, when I was when I was like 19, 20, that kind of age, and I was living back in Hertfordshire and I had a full-time job and I was Wait, are we both dating. Hertfordshire, baby? Yeah, yeah, I'm Hertfordshire. I'm Stevenage. Ah, Rick Winsworth. <laughs> ah, Stevenage is a bit more dodgy. Uh, <laughs> Everyone <Confirmed. end>. Yeah. <laughs> I made it out alive. Um, yeah, so back when I lived when I lived there, I was dating, and I think I do think it's a little bit different when you live in a town. Oh yeah, because everyone knows everyone, or most people know everyone. You know, you know someone, and but there's always uh, like a lot of the people I dated were like maybe friends of friends, people I met at parties, or as well. You're younger, you're going out to like shitty clubs, getting drunk off one pound drinks, and you're snogging random people, and you're like, "Do you want to go on a date?" Do you know what I mean? Like it is different. But yeah, no, dating as a nine to fiver um, is different. I guess I had a bit more time for it. Um, I was about. 21 when dating apps first came in i remember oh. being sat at my friend's house on tinder and being like 
this is nuts. Yeah. Look at us just scrolling through people. And I've been on so many like dating out dates is insane. But I had more time for it, right? Yeah. Now as a business owner, I so so I, I kind of have like a funny thing because I moved to London and I was like, right, let's get on the dating scene. Have, I've got some brilliant. I on, I'm going to write a dating book. I've decided so probably <laughs> in about ten years time I'll release a dating it. book. Um, <laughs> and but but being a business owner, I I find for me that people either really like that you're like this ambitious entrepreneurial person or they find it really intimidating that I'm financially independent I run my own business my business is like my baby like it means a lot to me and I've had to cancel things so that I can if I get last minute jobs and you know I and 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 it depends what type of person I meet as well if I meet someone who themselves are very ambitious most of the people that I have dated been on dates with should I say have been nine to fivers I haven't dated many other business owners. Oh, do you want to? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I haven't had much luck with the nine to fivers, so I don't know. I don't know what I want. Like, I get, yeah, it's funny. I, I get, I get a real mix. I think it's hard now in the in the world of like, I don't, like social uh, dating apps. For me, dating apps pre COVID are very different to dating apps post COVID. What's the difference you've noticed? So, so I've noticed when I used to be on them before, so a few years ago, I could, I very easily got dates. You know, I was like, yeah. everyone was on there. People replied. You were on there to go on a date. You were, you know, the people would message. You'd be getting, like, it, it was a lot easier in that respect. Now, you'll match with people, you'll message people, and you won't hit back. And I, I have no issue with messaging people first. Like, I'm, that don't bother me. And I'm not, yeah. hey, how are you? I'm a, you know, I put real thought into like a funny message. <laughs> like, so the issue is, it takes so much time. So, so like December last year or November last year, I was like, right, been off the dating scene for a while because I've really been giving it my all to my business. Let's, let's, let's get back on the dating scene. So I was, you know, sharing my stories on Instagram and people were lapping it up. I'm like, this date, that day, I was going on a new date every week, but you can imagine how much time and effort that took on the apps. Uh huh. Yeah. And you're already on your phone so much as a, de- as a business owner. So you're like, oh my God, not more phone time. Oh yeah. And then I got a bit dating burnt out. And then I, after like 10 dates, I was like, well, I'm giving this up for a minute. And then I was just like, do you know what? I'll just, I'm sure I'll just meet someone in, in person. Um, and then did you see my, my story about what happened with the guy at the airport? No, fill us in. <laughs> so I went to Dubai recently to meet my friend. Uh, she lives there. And then um, to cut a long story short, I basically met this guy at the airport very very good looking you know when you go to the airport and you're like are you good looking or are you just my age at the airport do you know what no, I mean? I've never had that I was like I was gonna say are you sitting next to me on the plane is this my like meet cute happy yeah. love of my life story yeah so, same kind of thing like is it like are you actually hot or have we just met at the airport and that makes it like fair <laughs> do you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. we didn't we, we didn't we weren't sat next to each other but we did meet at the boarding gate anyway we chatted loads and then got offered to buy the other end and then and then didn't get each other's like numbers or anything and I was like, oh that's the end that's kind of sad spend a week in Dubai I ended up bumping into him in Dubai on his last night and I was like what the hell oh my god so we like he he was with another mate we sat down we chatted we we um like he invited me to come sit with him whatever and then he asked my number and I was like oh okay got my number I didn't get his so then I didn't hear from him and I was like oh that's the end of that and then he texted me very recently so like yeah so um we are currently messaging at the moment I found out he literally lives in like the borough next to me it's just so weird Oh, nice. um, convenient convenient like. so like. yeah I just prefer to meet people in person but I also do a lot of events right oh, yeah. but I'm yet to but then I'm working it's hard it's a tough one so yeah that's my experience I love that do you feel the same yeah I, I always think it's been so polarizing being a business owner and I, I definitely over the years I've had quite a varied career and 
of the parts where I've been self-employed, I've always ended up doing well for myself and it not necessarily in like I'm rich, but just like achieved good things yeah. and really great things. And it will polarize people, men, just yeah. say specifically, um, into either they put me on a pedestal, which is weird as fuck, yep. um, or it will speak to a part of them that isn't secure in their yeah. own confidence or masculinity or earnings. Yeah. And what starts off great ends up souring. It's very, very strange because you're like, I'm still me in the middle of this and I shouldn't have to hide any parts of myself. And there was definitely a period where I just kind of quietened down my life and my achievements and things and just was like, I won't, I won't spill it all straight away. But then that's not normal because the person who can't hold that information from the beginning is oh, right, anyway. still not going to be your perfect. Yeah. That's yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Because it's like you say, like I, I, I'll and I, for me, I don't know if you have this, but I find when I've dated men, they are they don't really they haven't really enjoyed that I've been so active on socials. They oh, find it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, you're an Instagram get, you know, like a bit of that. And I go, yeah, yeah. But Instagram's allowed me to quit my full time job, run a business, and live an incredible life. So why are you bashing Instagram? Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like I'm, and, and and I know that there's a whole thing around like influencers, and I'm like, Instagram is one really small piece of my business. Yes, I hundred percent agree. It's hard. It's like I think it mixes both both the finance side and just the like living life on your own terms. I think it's the combination. Yeah, definitely. And I think I did a lot of. I think I even went to therapy about all of this because I was like, I just want to be confident enough to show as I am and just assume that that's going to be great for somebody. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to focus on being my best self my you know work on I mean I love my life I love my independence um I very much would like to sort of meet someone who can share all these great experiences with me now that I've created this wonderful life and so one of the things I was nervous about was like Instagram as a business right as a part of our business is one of my biggest drivers for clients it's so specific and niche and then you explain to someone with a nine-to-five going, oh, I talk to stories every day. Like, and, yeah. and you just you just almost assume that they're just going to think you're a complete tip. Yeah, it's and true. I had, I had to do a lot of work on that. And, and to be completely vulnerable and things that I always share is I have recently met someone and I was so nervous. So then two weeks, he sent me a Facebook friend request. And I sat there on it for four days, freaking out because I was like, it's connected to my Instagram. Instagram. I'm not ready. I haven't explained my business to him. Yeah. Like, he's going to think I'm like a dancing fucking monkey for Instagram. And he just went, yeah, whatever. And I was like, oh my God, oh, he's the legend. best human ever. I'm obsessed and it with just, it. And I think it's so normal, right? And this is also like side note and caveat and completely forking off the conversation. But it's one of the reasons I think that a lot of women, my clients, get so nervous to even show up on social media yeah. and talk about their businesses because they yeah. fear being trolled by people around them. Yeah, it's funny because I end up kind of going the other way in the way of like, I don't give a fuck about showing up. Love that. Being myself. Like I will do stories. I do I do I did a story the other day of me dancing in the middle of the woods. Don't care. I do stories when I'm like in my dressing gown, getting ready, gua sha in my face. Don't care. Like and if people if I get funny like responses, to be fair, everyone it like I, I don't really get trolled, luckily, thank you. I get more like trolls on TikTok of random shit. But like I in regards to what what happens when I meet someone, whether it's just on a first day, I will talk about my business. I will say I'm a finance coach. I'm a money and mindset expert. I've got a podcast. I do panel talk. Da, da, da. I work with clients. I don't necessarily talk straight up about Instagram, but mainly for two reasons. One, because I'm not ready for them to judge me on it until I'm like, do I want you in my life? It's more for me. 100% agree. Mm-hmm. But secondly, this date right now is on my stories and I don't want you to go on there and see it. <laughs> So we're going to hold off from that because I do, I am very open online. Like 
it's not it's a business account but it's also you know i'm also i did talk about my lifestyle it's, it's a personal brand personal right brand, yeah You're sharing all of- I'm, I'm going on the date tonight this is me getting ready i wonder what you know <laughs> That is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's like, I'm not going to show you uh, my Instagram until you might be significant enough that I won't put you on it. Literally. And the irony is, is like, I have people that I go on dates with be like, oh, you know, um, what's your Instagram? Like, it's such a casual part of the I conversation know, I'm now. Like, oh, no, I don't know yeah. you. Thank you so much. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, I go, um, my Instagram is a business page, so I'm probably not going to give that to you. And they're like, why can't I see it? And I'm like, because I've just said I'm not going to give it to you. I know. But I did give it to one guy, actually. Um Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm, I was going on a date with him like that night, and I was like, I'm still going to talk about it. So I was like, on this like I'm walking down the street, being like, I'm going on a date tonight, and I'm really excited. And he replied to it, being like, Well, hey, I made it to your stories. Oh, that's <laughs> so really, really sweet. Cute. About it. Oh. But you know, I think you got you got you, the date. Da- I mean, dating in the world, the modern world now, I think is it's hard. You mix in being a business owner who's on Instagram. Uh-huh. Can be a shitstorm. You've got to be really intentional about it, I think, is what I learned. And it sounds yeah. like that's the same thing you do. If you're going to spend your energy on it, commit to it. I think I was like going, right, I'm going to spend 15 minutes stay on Hinge yeah. and, and, and do that for the next two weeks. If I start to get the ick on the app, I'm going to take yeah, a break. Yes. And then we come back when I feel good about it rather than half-assed chatting with no intention of actually going on that day. It's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to spend the time and I'm going to free up some time yeah. and be really intentional. And I think yeah, that's probably Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's really nice. I think my thing is I've only like, I've always been very much like, I don't want a relationship, like re- relationship. You know, I've seen my parents aren't exactly the best model of a good relationship. Sorry, mum. Um, and you know, naturally, it does just make you go, "Oh, I don't know if I want that." Like, I'm, I'm, yeah. love my independence. I've got so many amazing friends. I've got my business. You know, like all those things. I want to travel more. That partner will just hold me down. Like, fuck that. And then I was like, I can't say that for the rest of my life because I will be no. eighty and single. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll dip my toe in the water and I'll change that energy. And it was funny because when I did change that energy for myself, I was like, I'm just going to date and I'm just going to see what happens. I ended up getting loads of dates, like, and had a really good time. And I belief do systems at least, everything. Yeah, it's mad. And, and people being like, how are you suddenly getting all of these dates? I was like, I just changed how I felt about it. Like, I went in it with a different view. It's everything from money to dating to life. Choose yeah. your belief system and things will change. Yes. I think that's a beautiful way to end this episode. <laughs> I can't thank you enough. This has been an absolute joy. And thank you for being so open and honest and vulnerable and doing what you do out in the world because it's needed. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed it. And I hope everybody has found this useful. Yeah. And all the details of how to work with Laura and find her and follow her and listen to her will be in the show notes. So definitely go say hello. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so grateful you hit play. And if you liked what you heard, please leave a review, especially on Apple, and hit subscribe so you never miss a new episode. If you love this and think someone else would too, then don't be shy. Share it with them. Let's inspire even more women. And every year I will be offering one woman a coaching scholarship. And the time is now. So if you think you know someone who would benefit from three months of one-to-one business coaching with me, head to the show notes and you'll find all the details and the link to apply. Good luck.